Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Family Sanctuary, a show that inspires living the gospel message in word and deed within our families. And now, Family Sanctuary with host Peggy Hartshorn. Welcome to the Family Sanctuary, focusing on life-giving relationships and the family. I'm your host, Peggy Hartshorn, chairman of Heartbeat International that advances life-affirming pregnancy help around the world. Well, today we're going to focus on not the beginning of life, uh, as we do in the pregnancy help world uh, primarily, but we're going to focus on some end-of-life issues, and particularly the care of the elderly within our family. And when we think of the focus of our program, life-giving relationships within the family, and, and how do we do that in a way that is is pleasing to the Lord and that follows the teachings of our faith? One of the issues that we, we often face within the family that, that provides some real challenges <laughs> to us personally, and perhaps even challenges uh, in issues of our faith, is care of the elderly. And uh, it's something that, that I have personally experienced recently with the care of my, my own mother, uh, who passed away about a year ago. And many of you listening probably have faced or are facing issues in in relationship to an elderly person within your family. So we've got a wonderful, loving, caring expert with us today, and that is Dr. Marion Shuda. Welcome, Dr. Shuda. Well, thank you, Peggy. It's a pleasure to be here. (laughs) It's a pleasure to have you because not only have we known each other through some many different avenues, actually, here in the Diocese of Columbus, but uh, you also helped care for my mother. So thank you so much for that. Um, Dr. Shuda is now the medical director of the John J. Gerlach Center for Senior Health at Riverside Hospital. And uh, you're a graduate of the Ohio State University College of Medicine, and you've been with Riverside for about 40 years. Yep, it'll be 40 years coming up in July. And that's amazing. <laughs> I always say it's a privilege to be a physician. It's a privilege to work at Ohio Health and Riverside. It's a really very good place to practice. Well, certainly the Gerlach Center helped my mother, and you did of course, so much. So I appreciate that. There is one, and, and we know there are actually many resources which we can touch on uh, as we talk today about to help us who are facing that issue of care of the elderly within our family. So, uh, and Dr. Shuda is uh, uh, also a member of Joan of Arc Parish. Yes. And uh, sometimes you may have seen her name or you may have heard her actually addressing issues of care of the elderly at a diocesan event or a pro-life event. So uh, we really appreciate, and it always amazes me how as, as busy as physicians are, that you devote so much time to uh, other things in the diocese and the community that can help us. So thank you for that. Well, it's my privilege, really. (laughs) Well, um, Dr. Shuda, uh, and and maybe we should start at the beginning of this uh, story of care for the elderly in our family, with the beginning of, of realizing that an elderly person in your family needs care. That's a very good point, because... um, the longer we live, the more likely we are to have significant problems. So um, I like to tell people that uh, one of the things people worry most about is dementia or uh, cognitive problems, because those do your, impair the senior's ability to function independently. If we live to the ninth decade of life, so 90s, 
we have a, at least a 40% chance of having significant cognitive problems. Of course, that means that 50 to 60% of people will live well into their 90s with no cognitive problems. And physical frailty becomes more of an issue there. That's a little easier for all of us to deal with emotionally and physically. The physical. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, for example, we tell people over 85 are very unlikely to be very to be good drivers. Their reflexes are slower and so forth. But you can drive people places, and if they can use uh, Uber they or mo- mainstream or whatever, they can get around. And then um, paying bills and so forth is so easy to do remotely now. So it's it's really not as big a problem. We just don't want them mowing the lawn, climbing a ladder, and cleaning out their gutters and so forth. Right. So we need to, as as family members, watch for the signs of when older mm-hmm. people are going to need more care. And as I look back personally on on the care of my mother, I realize she she was a very very smart person. Mm-hmm. She and she always took care of her own finances mm-hmm. and and shopping and housework. Um, um, she had been alone since my father died, and, and she, was, she was only 46 at that point. So we were so used to her being so independent mm-hmm. that when she did start having issues, I don't think I really realized. Uh, she would say, oh, I'm just having, oh, I've been trying to balance my checkbook for, I've been sitting here and I'm thinking, well, mother, what's wrong? What? Mm-hmm. Of course, I, I, you know, you're just you're probably trying to balance it to the last penny and you don't need to do that. I wasn't really realizing that she was having mental difficulties at that point. Yes, it, um, it's very frequent because at first the, the few little problems they have could happen to anyone. Mm-hmm. And they people even joke about them and call them senior moments. And cognitive function does decline with age anyway. So it's hard to separate an early dementia from simple age-related memory decline at first. I would say the most consistent functional early problem is difficulty with finances. Mm -hmm. And some people are very private about that. They don't want anyone involved, so it can be difficult to assist. To assist, yes. Mm -hmm. That probably is one of the main issues, I would imagine, with care of the elderly person, if they, particularly if they've been a very independent person, mm-hmm. uh, that they don't want the help. They will reject the help. Absolutely. And having insight into one's needs is not necessarily associated with a dementia. So, for example, I've seen very many people who think everything is fine. And these kids are just into my stuff, and I can't believe it. And they they really either actively push them away or or very frequently don't appreciate the help and it's very stressful it's a lot of work to care for a senior and unappreciated work is harder to do mhm so. mm-hmm. well one of the things that that i appreciated was the evaluation that we did get for my mother now we got that at the gerlock center where you are the medical director but i'm sure there are other places and resources for people to to get elder care. And I, I think for me, it was very important to have an assessment. Yes, we like to do that because we would make sh- we like to make sure that there isn't something additional that we can fix or improve. Uh, and so we look for things that can affect cognition and function 
of thyroid problems, very common in women and men as they get older. Um, B12 deficiency, less common but very fixable, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, we spend a lot of time looking at the medication list because there are many medicines that people take that, that as they get older, you, you have to take a look at them and alter them because of a different panel of side effects that are more common in elderly people, different concerns, or you wonder whether they're still necessary. Uh, So, for example, we'll take a look at things and decide, is it still a good thing for this person to take a statin because he had high cholesterol in his 50s? Maybe, maybe not. We have to know a little bit more about his heart condition. Is it still appropriate for somebody to be taking supplements? Hardly ever, but some people need them, depending upon various things and so forth. So the we call the pill burden is often very high for seniors, and we work hard to try to get that down. There are some people who get cognitive clouding from side effects from some of their medicines, mm-hmm. and we can look at that as well. So um, I think... I think it was very interesting that you said that when a person gets into their 90s, about 40% will have cognitive difficulty. That's right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but 60% will not. Yes. Some, yeah. some authors would say 50, but if you think about just 50 or slightly below that. So it's, it is uh, much harder for us to maintain cognitive sharpness enough to function independently if we live up into our 90s. Although it happens. I, mm-hmm. I took care of a 103-year-old lady who was completely cognitively intact. Hmm. I think sometimes maybe p- do people fear having that kind of an evaluation, either the person themselves or their family, because there's such a, um, almost it seems like a doomsday uh, analysis if this person has Alzheimer's. But not all dementia is is Alzheimer's. That's that's right. First of all, not all dementia is Alzheimer's. That's right. But number two is that dementia is a very feared diagnosis by a lot of people. And I do spend time reminding people that in my, it's my belief that you do not lose your intrinsic dignity as a human when you have a disabling illness. And so you just have to change your focus to how you care for the person and recognize the things that are still good and enjoyable. Hmm. But it is it is a difficult thing for people. There are a lot of tears uh, and, um, and worry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, uh, it, it's, it's a tough diagnosis for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And of course, I love what you said about that kind of a diagnosis does not change the dignity of the person. And, and that's why we're talking about this, of course, on St. Gabriel Radio here today on the Family Sanctuary, the, the dignity of that person. How do we continue to respect that dignity and provide the, the proper level of care for that person? Um, it, it's, it's a challenge, and it's, it's individual, right? It, it depends it on the exact situation that you have. That's, that is really correct. And so... Um, I suppose the other thing I like to say is, well, you don't lose your intrinsic dignity as a disabling illness, and no one chooses to be disabled. I mean, if we all could choose, we'd choose to be able-bodied and strong and healthy and so forth. How we deal with that 
as an individual and as a family is a bit of a measure of, of our humanity. It's a challenge, though, for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Some of the issues that people face when they know that they've had, let's say, an evaluation, or it's very clear, even without an evaluation from the medical community, that 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 my parent or or an elderly relative really needs a lot more care. Perhaps they've been independent, they've been living alone, um, and and people may have this thought: Oh, I'll, I'd never put a family member in a home. And maybe the person themselves has said, I never want to be in a rest home. Uh, what what are really the options when we, it comes to the, that kind of care? That's a very good point. We hear that quite a bit. Uh, there are a lot of personal preferences. I don't want to leave my home. We built that in the 50s or whatever it is. So I I think, well, the first first and foremost, almost every kind of care can be done in the community, in my opinion. It just, in the community, meaning mm-hmm. in a in, in a, a home, private facility. Home. No, no, in a private home. You in a private it. home with community care. Uh, with yep, in mm-hmm. the community, meaning in a in a residential facility, residential setting. Except, it takes it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Before we get into some of those details, let me reintroduce our guest because mm-hmm. some people may have just joined our program. Uh, our guest today is Dr. Marion Shuda, who is the medical director of the John J. Gerlach Center for Senior Health here in Columbus, associated with Ohio Health, Riverside Hospital. Uh, she's an expert in geriatric care, has been there uh, at, at um, Riverside for about 40 years. She's a member of St. Joan, Joan of Arc Parish. She looks at the care of the elderly from a Catholic perspective, from a, a human dignity perspective. So we're really happy to have you with us today, Marion, so that you can help us think through such a stressful issue as, as care for loving, respectful, dignified care of the elderly person. Yeah, well, thank you. And caregiving is very stressful. So when I say that you can do most care in the community, there are a couple of exceptions and a few provisos. So first of all, remember that 24-7 care is not a full-time job. It is more than four full-time jobs. Wow. So I tell people who come to the clinic, the Gerlach Clinic is a clinic of Riverside Hospital, and it's a full-time clinic. So it's open Monday through Friday, regular clinic hours, 8 to 4.30, and so forth. Now, the hospital is a 24-7 operation. So I tell people if we wanted to, if I point to a nurse in the hospital, I say if if we wanted to take her job, and make it a hospital job, we would have to hire more than three people because we have to have an evening shift and a night shift. And then we have six shifts on the weekend. And we haven't had the first holiday, sick day, anything yet. Mm-hmm. When you try to provide 24-7 care for your senior in a home, you have taken on more than four full-time jobs. People just don't realize that, and they understand why they're so exhausted. Now, if that senior sleeps, great. That eliminates seven shifts, seven out of, which is slightly more than one full-time job. You still have three full-time jobs. You must have respite. You have to have it. Nobody can do that. Even a dedicated spouse needs respite. And I do see some very dedicated spouses. Oh, she took such good care of me. I'm going to take good care of her. Great. However, it really, you can't do it alone. 
and that's not a sign of weakness. It's just being realistic. No, I wouldn't hire. Would you hire a nurse to take care of you 24 hours a day, seven days a week with no break? Of course not. Mm-hmm. There's, there's exhaustion. So that's one thing that's very important. The other thing is that two behaviors that become more frequent in dementias, they're not universal, but are very hard to deal with in a home setting. It's not impossible, but very hard. One is aggressive behavior. Sometimes people just don't recognize folks, especially late in the evening, and they and they try to defend themselves. Uh, that is very hard to manage in a home setting and may be dangerous for the caregiver. And the other thing is wandering. That's dangerous for the senior, uh, and it, it's hard to to uh, protect them, but it's it's possible. It's just very hard to do. Mm-hmm. So, so I think so many people are are afraid of putting a, an elderly relative in a care facility, um, and 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 again, if the person has said, "Oh, I never want to be in a nursing home," or um, I guess a lot of caregivers then if that's necessary, really have to deal with with some guilt, with some um, concern. Um, What are some of the the things that you encourage people to think through when Mm -hmm. they need to put a family member in a facility? Yes, that's such a good point. There are many, many options. The options available are somewhat dependent on what the person can pay for. But they're not, every home is not the same. So some people thrive on the community that they have. They have all peer groups, there are age appropriate activities and so forth, meals together, and so, and, and caregivers who understand what these behaviors are like and how to help them. Mm-hmm. So some people just thrive and do very well. I usually recommend that they try one without a thinking it's a permanent commitment. Many places will allow a respite stay or 30 days before Mm -hmm. you make a commitment. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that's another way to try it out. Mm -hmm. I can remember with with my mother, uh, we thought uh, being in an assisted living would be appropriate, and and she was very open to that. Um, And they were very, very different when I visited them, you know, Mm -hmm. so different in terms of the of the kinds of activities they provided, mm-hmm. the, the type of, of room they had, the type, the arrangements with the food. Um, and and uh, that amazed me, the, the many, many different choices that we had. Uh, we chose one that was just about five minutes from our home, which was great. And I could be there every day. And I think you, you mentioned that's important. Yeah, um, I, I'm so glad that happened with us, that we could do that. Yeah, thank you for saying that, because... Because caregiving is stressful, it's still stressful even if the person lives in a different place. So to reduce caregiver stress, being geographically close is hugely important because it just reduces that commute time to see the senior. And then the other thing that's very important, too, is the daily visit. Uh, For reasons which aren't entirely clear, daily visitors seem to improve care in uh, senior communities. So it's, it's an important thing to be close and make it easy to visit. Mm-hmm. So just being there, having, um, having a, what do I want to say, getting to know the caregivers, mm-hmm. I suppose that's important. And uh, they know that you're going to be there too. <laughs> well, I encourage people to, to think now, if you move mom to this 
beautiful care community that she, and where she has peer group and so forth. Now you can visit and be her son or daughter and not her personal caregiver or her cook or her toenail clipper or whoever you are. Mm-hmm. You you are now really visiting. Mm-hmm. And you know when we had mother in the my mother in the assisted living, that really was good. Um, she didn't want me. She hated to impose on me yes. to take care of her, to help her with her shower or, oh, honey, I know you're so busy. You don't need to do this. You shouldn't be having to do this. Um, and so that that seemed to help her that that I could come and watch TV with her or mm-hmm. have a meal with her or visit with her and look through the albums with her and so forth. But then she did get to a point where where it became clear that the best place to take care of her was the home. So, so we brought her home to, to our home and just, I love that part of her care. I was surprised, mm-hmm. but I love that part of her care, having her with us. Uh, she no longer could benefit from the social activities. Her dementia had, had increased and uh, gotten more severe and, uh, it got to be confusing for her to have different, so many different caregivers and people she didn't know. And um, so bringing her into our home the last uh, several months was really a positive thing for us and for her. Mm-hmm. Well, that brings up a very good point, And that is that care needs change over time mm-hmm. and the situation may change. So, so saying mom or dad should go into such and such a place doesn't mean they'll be there the entire time. It means for now, it's good. Mm-hmm. They can move. It's, uh, they can move to different levels of care in the larger facilities, or they can move in and out of mm-hmm. the community. Mm-hmm. So it's really constant assessment, I think, when you have a, a, an elderly person in your family. What is the best care for this person? And what kind of help do I need now <laughs> to help that's, with, that's with correct. our parents' care mm-hmm. or an elderly person in the family. Um, I'm thinking too of um, things that they ask me to do when I took mother into the assisted living for the first time. Uh, Oh, now sign this paper. You have to think Mm -hmm. through the DNR and you, you have to think, uh, does your, does your parent have um, uh, a living will? Um, All those, those kinds of issues. And I know we don't have time to go into them in depth, but we have had a couple of programs here on Mm -hmm. St. Gabriel radio uh, with Peggy Wallach, uh, mm-hmm. who who focuses in on those issues, if someone wants more detail, but what do you tell people just briefly, Marion, about no, about good. all that? Peggy and I have done a number of these presentations. Peggy Wallach. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So, generally speaking, they have to ask you, but you do not have to have one. A living will or a DNR or a DNR. You do not okay. have to have one. I recommend that everyone have a durable power of attorney for health care. Yes, with someone whose values they trust, which is an alternative to the living will. No, it's you can have both of those. Oh, can you? You can, but I I like the durable power of attorney for health care because it's very clear who you want to be your alternate decision maker, and it's very clear for us in medicine that. Mm-hmm. Living wills are optional and DNR is optional. So even though they have to ask you and they tell you they like to have a, a status, you can say full code and don't worry about it. You can even do that in hospice. Full code meaning you want all life-saving care. 
uh, offered. Offered, and right. And you can refuse it later. And then, of course, your person, if you have a, uh, a person who is in charge of, of making your decisions with a durable power of attorney, can make that decision at that time. That's correct. Right. Um, so, again, some of the legal issues I know Peggy Wallach recommends not having the living will because that will trump your person if you've made some specific decisions in that living will. That's correct. The living will is seen as your decision and you come before your alternate. Right. So again, it's it's a little bit complex, uh, but definitely um, if if you're in this situation, listen to uh, what we've got in the archives on that. It's pretty Mm -hmm. complicated. Just politely decline or politely give your... your You can politely decline and look, Mm -hmm. look into it more fully. Correct. Yes. And I know for me, they had two levels of a DNR. There are two in Ohio. It's a very well-intentioned, apparently well-intentioned law. It's just very confusing. Very confusing to me. And they said, oh, someone here can explain it to you. After they explained it, I was even more confused. And I could tell that they didn't really know the difference either. <laughs> yeah. it's uh, uh, Let's say the, it's currently under scrutiny and may be revised by the legislation, but uh, it's right now, it's the way Ohio's rule is written is hard. Right. Let's talk, for, and we've only really got uh, about a minute or so left, Marion. What about the spiritual aspects of this for the person themselves and the caregiver? Yeah, again, I just remind everyone that <clears throat> it's it's helpful to work in a faith-based organization, but we, we honor the dignity and worth of everyone who comes to us. And that's what I like to remind people to just remember, even despite the disability that you've got, you're taking care of another human being and uh, families are so, so important. Mm -hmm. And I remember with my mother, now the care facility we had her in did have a a Catholic mass once a week, although it wasn't a Catholic facility. Um, But helping her, providing her with uh, my my one sister. It was interesting to see how we we all provided different things for mother. My one sister read uh, devotional with her every day over the phone, and uh, I would pray the rosary with her when I was there. And so helping that person continue with the spiritual things that, that they loved and was part of their it's life. Comforting. That was so important. Well, thank you, Marion, so much for being with us. We could continue to talk. There's so much in this, but you've gave, given us a lot of wonderful things to think about. So thank you for being with us today. My pleasure. And you are listening today to The Family Sanctuary. I'm your host, Peggy Hartshorn, and we are on St. Gabriel Radio with archives at stgabrielradio.com under The Family Sanctuary, and you can stream live on stgabrielradio.com as well. Our program, The Family Sanctuary, is broadcast at 4 o'clock every Saturday and 2 o'clock on Sunday. So please join us again to strengthen our families and make them sanctuaries of life as God intends. Family Sanctuary is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820. Archives of Family Sanctuary with Peggy Hartshorn are available at stgabrielradio.com. Then Sanctity